Hello, everyone, and welcome to the VR Download, a weekly show recorded live in the Upload Virtual Studios, where we bring you the latest news, reviews, comments, and interviews from the VR industry. My name is Kyle, Operations Manager at Upload. Now, let's meet the rest of our panel today. Over here to my left, go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Ian Hamilton, Managing Editor. All right. And over here to the right? My name is, my name is Jamie. Please don't hurt me. I can't see anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm the senior editor. Uh, we have a guest uh, that is having some connection issues. Uh, Nathan from Sculpt VR uh, will be joining us intermittently. All right. Let's go ahead and get on with the news. Our first news story today. Sony recently revealed the most popular PlayStation VR games, according to PlayStation Network user statistics. The Playroom VR, a free download developed by Sony Japan, tops the list, followed by PlayStation VR Worlds. To nobody's surprise, Beat Saber also makes the list, as well as Skyrim VR, Resident Evil 7, and Superhot VR, among many it. others. Yes. Oh, Hello, Nathan. <laughs> All right. Hey. Nathan, introduce yourself real quick before we Hi, talk about PlayStation. Uh, I'm, I'm Nathan Rowe. I'm the uh, the creator of Sculptor VR. It's a every platform uh, world builder that's multiplayer and lets you build worlds and sort of play together with uh, with friends in VR. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> I, that's why Just I to make sure VR in the title Sculptor. Well, VR, yeah, you know, some people some people mess around with it. <laughs> So uh, knowing all of this about the uh, PlayStation VR games and uh, what's the top and what's the most popular, uh, l let's, let's have a discussion about that. So uh, I'm curious, Ian, uh, what has been your experience with the PlayStation VR titles that are available? Uh, do you agree with their list? Uh, wh wh what are your thoughts on this? Well, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, Beat Saber is, of course, on the list, right? And yeah. it's just those exclusives that... Um, make the PlayStation platform so powerful and such yeah. a big draw despite its tracking limitations. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, Jamie wrote this incredible uh, editorial this week that uh, outlines sort of this pain of the tracking system. And yeah, they've got these amazing games that, you know, stay forward, stay as long as you're facing forward, you can swipe all the uh, boxes you want in Beat Saber and it's fantastic. You never notice the, the tracking limitations uh, given that kind of, setup but you know there's a long wait before that ever sees an upgrade it seems and uh yeah jamie really outlined that well this week yeah mm. yeah uh i i thought the list of exclusives uh the what of games was was about what i was expecting uh i would have liked to have seen a few more daring games on there like two of my favorite games on psvr this year are, are uh a fisherman's tale and ghost giant and i mean I would love to see stuff like that on that list. Um, but I, I kind of completely understand why it's going to be, you know, your job simulators, your suit parts, your, uh, your beat sabers. These are the games we hear about week in, week out. Um, I guess even though it was free, I was surprised to find out that the Playroom VR is the most played PSVR game because it's not, it's free, but it's also not necessarily massively advertised when you get, when you take the PlayStation VR out of the box, it doesn't necessarily push you towards playing that game straight away. But at the same time, it's a great game, so I am, I am happy to see it doing so well. I found it interesting that, uh, that you know, the, the VR Worlds, uh, Playroom, 
things like that that are free. Do you think that the audience age, uh, you know, younger kids versus older uh, mm-hmm. veteran VR people playing this, uh, do you think that has any effect or impact on this list? That's a good question. I think to answer that, you'd have to go back to Rec Room, right? Right. In Rec Room, you, you enter a playroom in Rec Room and there's a lot of kids there. Um, and so I, I guess that does make me ask if, yeah, there are there are more kids playing VR than we originally anticipate. I don't know. I, I personally, I watch my children, uh, whenever they turn on the PSVR, I always ask them what they're playing, and it's immediately either Beat Saber or Rec Room, or they're playing things, you know, from the playroom, things like that. So uh, I, I feel like the age might have it, because, I mean, I don't think any of my children played Resident Evil 7. Uh, Ian, did you even play Resident Evil 7? No, that was too much for me, and it's like, the that's the one <laughs> yeah. game that, like, I mean, I mean, I'm not, if I'm being perfectly honest, I really don't like. That's why I brought it up. I don't like the 180 tracking. I find it incredibly uh, constraining when all the other systems have 360 tracking. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like Resident Evil Seven and having that scare fest is is like the one exception where I really feel like there's a good reason to put on <laughs> a PlayStation to uh yeah to to really experience that. But again, I horror games aren't my yeah usual go-to so i, I, I don't know even, if i want to sink that many hours into it i can't even stand in a creepy room uh in vr it just like it owns too many of my senses and <laughs> i i just nope out uh fun to put other people in though oh, oh yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> that's always fun do, do, do you guys think that the uh the popularity of these games and the ones that made the top of this list, do you think it has anything to do with the marketing capabilities? I mean, obviously resident evil is a title that people are familiar with even outside of the VR scene. So do you think that there's a high level of, uh, uh, marketing going on here? I mean, would games be more popular if there was more marketing for them? Well, the one thing I would say about on the resident evil front is, uh, it's probably still one of the uh, most graphically rich and polished VR games out there. I would, I would probably say. Um, it's, it's one of those cases where once it launched, PlayStation kind of set an expectation that we'd be seeing that kind of level of game quite often. And I don't, you know, give or take maybe like your Skyrims and uh, and a couple of others. I don't think we've really seen another PSVR game on the level of Resident Evil 7. In fact, you know, arguably until the release of Asgard's Wrath last week, I don't think maybe we've even seen a, a VR game release with uh, VR support from day one that is as polished and high end as that. So I, I think that kind of has to uh, attribute attribute for that somewhat, somewhat with that uh, list for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nathan, do you have any other thoughts on this? Um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with Ian. It's it's very hard for me to to do the the, <laughs> the, the tracking funny. after. I don't think I, his I'm, connection's working. Are you guys able to hear him? Yeah, we could hear him. Oh, I, I can hear, hear him. him. Okay, oh, so that's okay. Sure. Sorry. I'm. I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> don't need to. <laughs> and I've been talking about him too. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, I, I, that, 
that tracking is just hard for me to put up with. So, so like I, I bought many of the games and just, just haven't put the time in. Um, mm. uh, I, I'm usually using you just doing dev dev for PlayStation and not doing so much playing. Yeah. Have I ever tried Iron Man VR? No, no. Okay. So that, that uses the tracking in a really interesting way. I think it'd be really mm. interesting to get both of you in that at some point, but, uh, yeah, that that ha, has the distinct advantage of when you have your hands to make Iron Man fly, they're down by the side. So whenever you turn, the PlayStation VR camera can probably still see at least one of your cameras, uh, one of your controllers, and it uses that to predict where the other one will be, and it actually works pretty well. So that's quite interesting one. Well, Sony oh. has stated that the PS5 will launch uh, in late 2020, and... Not much is known about the highly anticipated PSVR 2. Is it? Do you guys anticipate, and I guess I'll start over here with Ian, do you anticipate that this 180 tracking limitation will be addressed by this PSVR 2? So if you look at PSVR, there's, what, two things that absolutely need fixing as soon as possible, and that's the move controllers need analog sticks. Like, I don't know how many people mm-hmm. are asking for that. And then 180 yeah. tracking. <laughs> so, I mean, you fix those two things, PSVR suddenly becomes a way more compelling platform to me personally, and I would think to a lot of other people out there. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's also it, probably going to be wireless, right? Um, I sure hope uh, so. Yeah. I don't know. There's one rumor about that. There's, there's a rumor know. about that. There was uh, their, their head of R&D a couple of months ago made the suggestion there could be two models, one which would be wired and one would be a, like a pro version, uh, which might have wireless support. So I, okay. In, okay. how they roll that out, if they're going to do it that way, we'll see. But uh, that, that's a potential, yeah. I might be All confusing right. the Xbox One. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. I, right, that's right. supposed to be wireless, right? No, is it that, was if it, if it existed. Not, I don't know. If it existed, okay. Yeah, I <laughs> talked to somebody at Microsoft long ago. I don't know, and uh, and asked when they were doing VR because this was back before they said they weren't. Um, and he said, "Well, we're not going to do VR until it's." He listed off like four features, but the one that I remember was wireless. Uh, and yeah. so Microsoft three or four years ago is like, eh, we don't think VR is worth it till it's wireless. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Um, Interesting. Interesting. But I Move mean, on that to our next long gone. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy got fired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let, let's move on to our next, uh, our next news piece. Uh, VR headset manufacturer Varjo is releasing two successors to its VR one bionic VR headset. The VR two and the VR2 Pro, there's that Pro word again, with new features such as prism diffuser film to combat screen door effect, positional time warp support, and ultra leap for finger tracking. The new headsets are reportedly compatible with Steam VR. So uh, let's start over here again. Ian, what are your thoughts on this new Varjo headset? Yeah, so I've seen various versions of this headset, earlier versions, and uh, for those who are unfamiliar with it, the way it works is there's uh, basically a large uh, display that's lower resolution and then a small micro display, uh, small display right in the center of both lenses that is super high resolution. 
And then they have, um, so they're using some kind of, combi uh, you know, they're using a combiner to put the two displays together. So visually you just see one, uh, one image in each eye, but there's a transition between the high res display and the low res display that I find fairly distracting. Um, but these headsets are designed for um, computer assisted design. You're getting to look at a super high resolution 3D model in VR. Like if you wanted to model a car and build a, a, a version of a car before actually putting it in production, you would want to get the absolute uh, highest possible resolution look at what that car would look like before you actually roll it out uh, and build physical models of that car. So that's what this headset seems geared towards, that, that specific use case of modeling things in VR, getting a feel for the way they look in real life. You, sh you really shouldn't play Beat Saber and other Steam VR games. That's not what this display system is sort of built for. But it, for, for what it is, there's certainly a market of people that uh, and businesses that really need to have uh, that can save money if they can see mm. an imperfection in VR before they actually print out the thing or, or make a, a physical version of the thing. So to me, it sounds like you're describing uh, fixed foveated rendering from a hardware perspective where we've only seen that in software up to this point. So this is yeah. an actual hardware solution. It's very, I find the, the transition period, the, the transition space between the high res display and the low res display to be very similar to the fixed foveated rendering that you see in an Oculus Quest. So you hold it, you wear an Oculus Quest in a very uh, graphically intensive game. The fixed foveated rendering lowers the resolution of everything at the outside of the display. Nathan would be, you know, an expert at this. Um, uh, I use it, but I just, I just <laughs> turn it on basically. <laughs> well, uh, how <laughs> distracting do you find it though? Like, say, say it again. How distracting do you find? fixed foveated rendering i uh, i mean it when there's really high contrast things then as they move into the uh the ffr region um yeah that 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 catches my attention every time and and text of course looks awful uh in, mm -hmm. in, the, in the corners um so uh i haven't done anything for this yet but there's um on the in the new Vulcan support on the Quest, you can actually push custom, custom FFR sort of tile sets that that let you control the the uh, resolution wherever on the screen. And since Sculptor VR has a lot of skybox that's pretty boring, um, I could probably compute um, you know compute on the CPU each frame, or maybe use last frames information. And just FFR the skybox away, and and adjust my my FFR region every single frame, uh, based on based on that. Um, it's it it's something that would because I can't I'm not I can't guarantee that people are always looking at lots of sky, so I, it wouldn't really help me be able to show more detail. But so all it would really do is help save some battery life on the quest, um, and and eat a lot of my time figuring out how to do that. So, <laughs> so it's not something I'm likely to do uh, tomorrow, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, but with, with the Varjo headsets, you know, you can't choose where, where that FFR is. It's, it's right there in the center. So that sort of thing doesn't, doesn't make sense. Um, 
but uh yeah so jamie these headsets are upwards of four or five thousand dollars uh definitely enterprise i mean could you see this being targeted at all toward consumers i mean should should our consumer audience really be concerned about this headset well i that's quite a funny question because obviously the other big enterprise VR headset out there is the HTC Vive Pro, right? And the Vive Pro I. Um, and the whole thing about that headset is it, it is an inter, uh, enterprise level headset, but HTC just let anyone buy it, right? And use it as a gaming device. Mm-hmm. If they see it that way. And I, I have to guess there's maybe what, like, I don't know, anywhere between two to a hundred people that would spend that much money on a Vajo headset. <laughs> Two uh, hundred. Okay. Someone, oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know the statistics yeah, of these. More things. than one. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, more than one for Vajo is a lot. They're charging a lot. Um, but so yeah, I obviously yeah no, it's not anything that any of us would consider buying. I don't think. I don't think. I from the sounds of what Ian was saying, I think even if Ian had one, he wouldn't consider using it. I mean, well, so Magic Leap is the, the you brought up fixed over rendering, and that's a great analogy for for what I find this this different uh, fields as being. But the other analogy is Magic Leap, where they've got a really limited field of view. And as long as your eyes are focused straight ahead and uh, the augmented stuff that they're providing with that AR headset is far enough away, uh, it can provide a pretty convincing illusion that the whole world has extra depth to it and there's extra things there but uh, the argument there is that you don't you if you use the magic leap long enough you won't notice the limited field of view where the augmentations can appear and i don't find that to be true i i think yeah. i always notice the limitations there i will say that the same thing was said to me uh in, in a previous life when I was a HoloLens uh, app developer that Microsoft states that over and over as well, that the longer you use the HoloLens, the less you notice the outside limitations and then the, the, the FOV being so small. Um, there is some truth to it. However, you have to wear it for hours and be constantly using it in order for you to forget about the FOV. So there is some truth to it, but the amount of people who can say that they've experienced that is very small. And that's why it's a little, we have a hard time understanding it because we haven't experienced it, which yeah, can be said point. for a lot of things in the VR world. True. HoloLens also cost 3000 bucks though. That's true. That's true. Three thousand bucks for yeah, you'll get used to it. Is is not great. Ah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> All right, let's move on to. Uh... Oh wait, Kyle. Oh yeah, you do that. Ahead. So sorry. Um, I just thought we'd quickly go through a couple of the uh, user comments because, as you know, this is a live show. You probably know because you're watching, and I could do anything to prove it's live right now, but I shouldn't. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, just going through some of the comments. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Roblox Studio keeps asking, "What game is it?" Roblox Studio, it's not Roblox. I don't, I don't know what you mean. What game is what? Anyway, probably not the best comment to pick up first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've got Paradise DK joining us again. Hello, Paradise DK. Good to see you. Um, Stefan Anderson says maybe I'll get a Pimax 8K X with them backer discounts. 
Bajo is very expensive and too small field of view. I mean, Pimax is very expensive as well, isn't it? I don't know how much the Pimax is. Uh, it's expensive. It's expensive. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Those are some great comments. <laughs> we'll come back to you later. All right. So uh, please feel free to drop in and put some comments there. And, uh, and if they are viable, we'll have Jamie read them out. So I'm let's move on to the manager. next. <laughs> sorry. I'm not a community manager. On. Please. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Let's move on to the uh, next piece of news. <clears throat> At E3 this year, Microsoft showed a trailer for their next generation flight simulator, which uses ultra high resolution aerial imagery from big maps. Immediately, the internet asked the question, Will there be VR support? In an interview with AV Sim, the head of Microsoft's flight simulator team stated that the team will try our darndest to add VR support. Now, <laughs> try our darndest. First of all, uh, you know, let, let's start over here with Nathan. Have you ever played the uh, Microsoft flight simulators? Uh, not in at least a decade. Uh, okay. But, but in the 90s, I played one. Um. <laughs> I, I have to admit i'm kind of in that same boat i mean other than flying around in google earth vr i haven't done a whole lot of flight simulator yeah. uh stuff recently ian as a news writer and managing editor do, do you think that it is prudent for a company like microsoft to put out something as obvious as a flight simulator without vr support it really, you know, I mean, it really points to their kind of uh, lack of clarity in their VR strategy going forward to not have done that. Um, you know, that's the nicest way of putting it. If you if you open the mix, the Windows Mixed Reality portal on any Windows machine, it, the first two things that it uh, shows you is here's how to use web VR and here's how to access Steam. Right. So like before even their own games that are available through windows, they're promoting two other uh, technologies to find content to experience on those windows MR headsets. So uh, it's not surprising that they wouldn't provide that clarity. Uh, it's just kind of unfortunate that they underestimated the desire there. Um, there's a lot of people that really, that's all they would do, right? They, they would come home and build a, a really nice cockpit simulator for themselves and then use a windows headset and spend hundreds of hours playing that game and every different type of plane out there. But it's gotta be a monumental challenge for the, the yeah. developers as well to get it to work on headsets. It's just the desire is definitely there. Because isn't, isn't like this one, like incredibly like photorealistic. I remember seeing it at E3 and thinking that looks absolutely amazing. Like I, I would. Yeah, it's extremely well done. I mean, it is a. I, I look forward to trying it, but I would rather look forward to trying it in a VR headset, to be honest. In the Vajo. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially, um, but uh, Nathan, a as a VR developer, mm -hmm. um, when you put out something like a cockpit game. Uh, let, let's say you weren't a VR developer, but you were just a, a regular game developer and not thinking about VR at all. Don't you think that it is prevalent enough in our in the gaming industry that you would think to yourself, I'm doing a cockpit game. I should probably think about doing VR. Uh, 
yeah, cockpit games have been a proven like, and, and people people who really love cockpit games spend money on hardware already. You know, they have mm-hmm. they have crazy joysticks, and they'll do like the three monitor setup, and they have mm-hmm. like, you know, so it's just sort of a known high spending crowd. So VR is a is an obvious obvious upgrade to their experience yeah. that I think many will make make jump for. Yeah, uh, we watched uh, No Man's Sky retrofit vr into their game and now no man's sky is a fantastic game that has both you know first person on a planet type of experiences but then also it has this built-in space flight sim that you fly around to different planets if you consider that they were able to take a game that they completely developed and then you know i don't know how long specifically that development took but they were able to add it in uh i I feel like somebody like microsoft should be able to do this uh relatively well i mean does anybody disagree with that no i I think one of the things that we it's like an ongoing theme here is uh now that sony has sort of thrown down the gauntlet and said ps5 is coming in late 2020 all these other puzzle pieces may start falling into place like what do the launch lineups look like? What games are getting VR support in the next generation? I mean, Jamie, you're obsessed with Dreams, right? What? Yep. When are we going to be able to play Dreams in VR? Uh, <laughs> that's a really good question. Uh, I, yeah, that, uh, I think you're right in that it feels like a lot of these big projects are still waiting for the time to fire the starting gun um and dreams is one of those and you know to your point this flight simulator yeah if uh, xbox scarlet is the code name for the next xbox i think it is um there's rooms all sorts of rooms about that getting like a vr headset right and that this would definitely be one of the ways to come out and say yeah now we finally have a piece of hardware that is so powerful it can do this and uh, I, yeah, I definitely think I think you're right. Those are the two right choices. I think for Xbox, it would probably be this uh, flight simulator game. I think for PS5, definitely Dreams, because right now I, I I do think that the current PSVR system is so limited. Getting back to what we were talking about earlier, that uh, they should definitely wait for PS5 on that one. Picture the opportunity that Microsoft has to release Flight Simulator with VR support on a console VR system. Now I'm not saying you're going to see it on PSVR, but imagine it being on a console VR headset. It's it's interesting. You brought up Google earth, right? You brought up Google earth earlier. Like this is their answer, right? That potentially go anywhere in the real world. Uh, no, virtually it's, it's a no brainer as a, as a platform play for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nathan, what would you have to add? Uh, well, I just has, has, Flight Simulator has always been a PC-only thing, right? Uh, it doesn't as far mean it as I can, know, yeah. But uh, they've been kind of converging the console with with PC uh, over the last generation or two. Yeah, so, they have, yeah. So it's it's I guess it's definitely possible. Then um, that that, but I think I, I again I think that Flight Simulator people who are really passionate about Flight Simulators are willing they they want this best experience and. Uh, they seem like um, PC master race sort of people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Very much so, yeah. 
but it, I'm sure it would have some success on console as well. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next piece of news that we have. A new firmware update for Oculus Quest improves the quality, stability, and latency of TV casting, as well as added support for more casting devices. The Oculus Quest included the ability to cast the headset's view to a TV ever since the headset launched back in May. It used Google's Cast technology. However, it only supported three cast devices, Chromecast version 3, Chromecast Ultra, which I have, and NVIDIA <laughs> Shield TV. But it didn't always work that well. Now, the latest update claims to fix these problems. So let's go over here to Ian. Ian, have you tried casting your quest to any of these devices? Uh, I've been trying to get the update, the, the latest firmware update, uh, and I haven't gotten that uh, installed yet, but I am very anxious. Uh, Heaney said he tried it, and it was uh, quite improved. Uh, I can't wait to to sort of get the, the latest installation and give it that try because I've got, you know, the it's so nice to go wireless when you're streaming or capturing the footage. And that Chromecast connection really enables that. Um, if you, especially if you lower the latency, you can adjust the OBS settings a little bit so that uh, everything syncs up if you're using a real life camera uh, combined with the game footage. Um, yeah, I, I still, they still need to do a lot more to make that more usable, right? Uh, it's, it's, the, the biggest feature in there in that update is the ability to start casting from VR. Like that's going to dramatically make it more usable. Yeah. Yeah. I find my own personal experience to be pretty rough. Uh, I'll have like, for example, one of my children is playing Beat Saber. We'll just pick that again uh, on the Oculus Quest. And I want to watch on TV. Uh, I can go into my phone app and I can tell it, hey, cast to my Chromecast Ultra. The, the challenge has been, though, that it doesn't stay connected. There is a lot of latency. I can very obviously see her hand move, and then it moves on the screen. So there's there's a lot of challenges here. Uh, Nathan, have you had any experiences with casting from the Quest? I always just cast to my phone, and then people gather around this tiny phone. <laughs> and um, I, I don't own it. I didn't own any of the approved devices. I haven't seen the new list. Uh, I have a smart TV. Do smart TVs work now? If it has Chromecast built in. It has just YouTube doesn't do that. It yeah, it, it okay. has to have a specific version of Chromecast. I actually have a TV uh, that is an OG Chromecast in, in embedded into the TV. It's an, an original <laughs> version, and I cannot cast directly to it without okay. plugging in an additional piece of hardware. Yeah, I, I don't have any. I should get some Chrome. If I'm ever demoing at an event again, I hate demoing, so I'll try to avoid it. But um, <laughs> if I'm ever demoing at an event again, I'll definitely have to get one, and hopefully it works. Uh, yeah, I'd recommend the, the Ultra, the, the Chromecast Ultra, okay. I, I feel has the best experience. Uh, Jamie, what about you? Have you had any experiences with uh, casting from the Quest? Uh, yeah, I have to do it from my, my phone my Pixel 3a, uh, I find it gets very choppy a lot, so I'm actually very excited to try this out as well. This is going to be the first Quest update that you can manually update, right? I, I was looking for that, and I asked about that yesterday. I Supposedly that's there, but I, I don't know how to do it yet. I, I forgot how to do it if, it's, if we've reported it, so uh, okay. we need to check into that. Okay, mm -hmm. I can see an SEO article coming on. Uh, <laughs> second of all... <laughs> Uh, what was the other thing I was going to ask about this? Oh, yeah. So the other thing that I would 
I would prefer the over-improved Chromecast support. When am I going to be able to easily take my videos off of Quest? I am dying for that functionality. That and screenshots. It's such a headache right now. And I feel like that that's like, I don't know. I, I can't talk, but I feel like it's a five-minute fix, but obviously it probably isn't. John Carmack's probably shouting at me somewhere right now. <laughs> well, I, I, I make... brought this up at Oculus Connect. I really want USB support for that sort of thing. Like if you can yeah. sideload an APK via USB and then remove the USB from the side of the headset and do the same thing with videos. Yep. I, OTG I, I really storage want support. that Oculus. Yep, 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 yep. What were you going to say, Nathan? Wait, so you can't get videos with USB support? I... I thought that you okay. You, uh, you, I, you can, but you, you have to like approve it. Uh, like you have to like go into the headset and say yes, and, and say, then it's yeah, not like uh-huh. it's not like the PC is then like here is your list of uh, videos. It's like you have to go in to like something that's not even labeled videos, and then half the time when you bring it up, okay. then it doesn't even work. And actually, I have to go through SideQuest a lot of the time to get it to work. Yeah, yeah, that's the 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 Android operating system is just a disaster for for file management um it's it's not really built with file management in mind they want it yeah. all to be controlled in the oh <laughs> touching <laughs> very touching <laughs> almost a sweat <laughs> all right so uh that's the news for this episode but let's talk about the release of the week so we don't actually have a release of the week this week uh so we are going to talk about anything new in the vr world that any of us have played so uh let's start over here with jamie uh jamie have you played anything new this week in vr well it's it's not new but interestingly enough i've started exercising through box vr how about that Mm. oh wow let's let's do some competitions yes yeah we should so actually kind of nerdy like uh xena has a quest 2 our video editor xena has a quest 2 and uh we actually uh played it in the same room the other night which we live in a small london flat so it's kind of hard to find the space to do that and david and i also competed yeah from from different locations and just hearing their voice right like david and i were connected over voice chat and just that connection sort of drove drove us each to try harder Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Cool. I think it's really, really cool. Um, other than that, uh, I don't know. I, uh, so I covered uh, the launch of our VR culture show last week. Um, and one of the experiences that I'm still thinking about quite a lot in that is a really great VR animation called Battle Scar, uh, which is kind of a like a half an hour long, uh, non-interactive, uh, I guess, animated short set in like the 1970s new york punk scene it follows two girls and their uh journey to um to start their own band and it's such an incredible erratic experience where every couple of seconds it's changing up storytelling styles um mm. and it plays with vr in some really really interesting ways if you guys have seen like uh dear angelica for example um <laughs> And, it, and you know the way Dear Angelica plays with space in some really interesting ways to scale, to tell some really interesting stories. It does that like, like almost routinely every like 30 seconds for an entire half hour. It's an incredible watch. It's not out yet. Um, it'll be coming out, I think, towards the end of the year is what they've, they've told me. But I, I want to put it on people's uh, radar for sure because it just completely blew me away when I saw it. Very cool. 
So Nathan, I'm sure you have been chugging away at doing all of your coding stuff, but have you taken a break to play anything new this week in VR? Uh, this week I've managed to murder myself almost every day, uh, making myself sick, trying to test. I'm adding locomotion options to Sculpture Ooh. VR and I'm mm. insanely sensitive to false motion in VR and I get sick so fast, uh, but I have to make these things. So I have to try them. And once I'm sick, I don't touch VR, you know, I'm, I'm out. Uh, yeah. so, so this week I've just been unable to put a headset on outside of work hours um but uh so because uh, you're developing your own stuff essentially every day you try something new in vr wouldn't you say um i mean slightly new but it's not it's not it's not usually enjoyable it's it's you know it's like people who think qa testers are are just playing games all day like when you're when you're qa testing a game it's not fun you're just like running back and forth into a wall uh, to to make to try and get because one time you clipped through and you're trying to figure out how how you know what are the you know and it's just like it's you're not doing fun things. I'm just like I'm I'm using the most crazy tool and yep, that's how it goes. <laughs> Ian, how about you? What have you played this week? Last night, so last night uh, we got an email uh, with this new game called Ryko's Fragment. And uh, basically, it's a horror game where people outside of VR can log onto a web page and activate your jump scares while exploring a <laughs> virtual haunted house. <laughs> so I, I just got this up on the website uh, from Harry, our uh, Australian correspondent. And uh, I, just, I just published that right before coming into the studio here. So if you go to uploadvr.com, that article is there with some videos showing me just having little panic attacks just you know <laughs> oh just you know doing that thing where i'm 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 you can't hear me screaming because i haven't recorded my mic on it but like i'm doing this and it's not me messing around it's just that's how scared i am from uh the lights flickering and uh people you know ghosts walking into the room and trapping me in a room and it's all a, lo a lot of it can all be activated by anyone with a web-enabled device who's able to access the room number and the website. And uh, is this, that's going to be fun. Is this password protected, or do you have to give somebody your your code? Because, yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine Ian's going to go and play this game, and then we're going to post the website onto Reddit, yeah, and so then <laughs> let them do your jump scares? <laughs> right, yeah, no, this is this is the worst nightmare and the best you know possible use of VR at the same time. Um, there's, a, a, I think, a four-digit code to give out to people to find your room. And so I, I basically got that code on my, you launch the app uh, in VR, and then there's the code up on the screen and you just send the website out and the code to people and they can join your lobby and they get a map of your, of the house that you're in, the haunted house. So there's uh, two floors and each room, they can basically tap on various spots to, cause various things to happen in the rooms and then they get a little locator of which room you're in um but yeah the uh, david's off this week and uh i'm encouraging him to do this on stream pretty soon because it would be such a great thing to do on stream yeah i'm looking forward to that man that's i i really hope that that's something that we explore more i i have a feeling that that'll be a really fun party game 
do, is the game coming out on uh what do we know what platform this game's coming out so, on? yeah it's fairly interesting launch it sounds like they're uh they've just gotten together uh from, from what i've seen they've just gotten together a bare bones one map one difficulty level you know proof of concept for them to early access release on october 28th just right before halloween uh that said uh you go to the website uh now there's a way that they've they're selling the game a beta version of the game through their website right now so uh if you're really anxious i you could pro you could you should be able to download it right now and play i tried it on rift s um and uh there's a Steam page for it, so if you're interested in the Steam version, the Steam version lists Rift, Five, and Index support, and that should release on October 28th. And the name of the game again? Uh, Riko's Fragment. R E I K O. Okay, fantastic. All right. Well, I think we should move on to the hot topic of the week. The hot topic of the week is the announced death of smartphone vr john carmack gave a touching eulogy of the gear vr at this year's oculus connect and google has apparently stopped feeding the daydream as well uh is, is this truly the end of smartphone vr uh, i'm kind of curious on your thoughts uh nathan do you think see he disappeared <laughs> You, that, you know, that's disappears. the best way to not have to answer a question. <laughs> no, you guys, I'll find him. Pretty I'm sure he just went under the desk. I'm Nathan. sure he's just down. Yeah. Nathan! Oh, he'll pop back up. Uh, <laughs> so, Jamie, the question goes to you now, then. <laughs> uh, do you really think this is the death of smartphone VR? I mean, seriously. Pull one out. Pull one out like that. It's Pull dead. one out? It's gone. Okay. It's gone. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's, it's had its time, right? Like... I feel like uh, <laughs> a lot of people um, are just really done with that format. I, I, you know, like I know this is going one step further, but I also feel like we're almost at the point where Oculus Go's days, in some way or form, are numbered. Right? He, um, he just shook out there. He's he's, he's sorry, I made, he it. I made it. Yeah, I re <laughs> I rejoined once uh, really quickly, and but I was in some weird state, and and I could see you across the room saying, "Pour one out." Poor, poor <laughs> it was for uh, daydream not you oh, oh okay i thought, I thought you, were, you were talking about my demise no, so <laughs> while we have you before the internet tubes cut you off again uh what are your thoughts on smartphone vr is it really dead or is this premature uh i think i think it's dead i think that it will maybe come back a little bit uh at, but kind of through like AR getting bigger or something eventually or, or whatever. But, um, but I think that, uh, once, once AR has hand tracking, um, then it will be such a, you'll, you'll want to have your phone like mounted or something so that you can use both hands and, and that'll drive some demand for, for the return of headsets or something, uh, maybe, um, and and we might see see that. Uh, and then once you have an AR heads, I mean, it's a it would be passed through AR, but of course it can do VR. So it might come back, but I don't think that. I I mean I I don't want what it used to be. It was never my thing. Um, <laughs> very cumbersome. Very cumbersome. Ian, I'm sure you have some opinions and thoughts on this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I so there's the alternative route to. Uh, smartphone VR that's been tried or, or talked about where 
you keep the phone in your pocket and run a wire up to glasses mm-hmm. and have a, you know a smartphone you know, have another display here and do all that and so like in theory if you had an attachment for your phone that could power your phone up and provide it battery life and then also feed the glasses would that like even then you've still got the wire right like so it it, it you would solve multiple of the friction points where you don't want to use the slot in VR because you're draining your phone's battery. Well, what if you've attached a battery to your phone that charges it up while you do VR? That would be cool. Um, and maybe, you know, by doing that, maybe you could provide more processing power for the cameras to do six off tracking and solve that friction point. So there's, and you could provide the best possible display uh, for users by just, you know, putting in the best display into the actual glasses this time. And not having one that has dust on it and, uh, you know, because you've, you've pulled it out, there's all sorts of little flecks on the screen and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you could theoretically erase a lot of the friction points by doing the wired approach, but it's still it's still a wire and it's just it's so expensive then if you do all those things, provide all those secondary I mean, hardwares. It doesn't you, make what, sense. What you're describing is what the cosmos is supposed to be someday, right? <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, exactly and it, right, it yeah. does have onboard processing uh, for for the six off tracking, I believe. So I I'm going to speak my opinion here. Uh, I spent a lot of time doing development for uh, Gear VR and uh, smartphone VR. I'm not convinced that it is dead. I believe that it has gone into some form of hibernation, some sort of chrysalis, a cocoon, have you, uh, and that this isn't even its final form. And that smartphone, I think, Ian, what you said is is probably one avenue that it could come back and, and you know, uh, with a vengeance. We don't know. Uh, and I also think that what Nathan said about the, uh, you know, the, the concept of wearing it as like almost an AR headset. So I think that there's uh, possibility of zombie smartphone VR. Uh, not zombie like you know pew pew pew, but you know. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, I was going to ask you: Is there any further uh, comments that we should take a look at or listen to from our wonderful <laughs> studio audience? Yes, actually, a few of them have asked us what we think about uh, the death of Daydream, like we've just been talking about. Uh, I something I wanted to add on to the end of that for sure is uh what a shame it is that daydream had so many great exclusive games that mm-hmm. now probably aren't going to find another life elsewhere they but they probably would have done so already if they were going to do that right um so i think that's a real shame i wonder uh, if I, I mean it might not be in the contract or something but maybe all of those exclusives now would at least have permission to to port over to i've asked We'll, we'll let you know if we hear back. Yeah, uh, okay. it's the right uh, question. There, there have been a lot of Daydream exclusives that have gone elsewhere, though. I, I feel like a lot of the contracts were timed exclusivity agreements. It's just then a case mm-hmm. of it's up to the developers to take them elsewhere, which is obviously still a massive drain of resources for them. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually know personally about two or three developers who were <laughs> making Daydream uh titles experiences and have yet to release them i wonder where those folks are going to end up yeah it's yes. compelling it's, it seems like it seems like it would be a really easy pr win for oculus to adopt some of those lost projects well they did they um, did 
I mean, not lost projects, but like Eclipse came over eventually. Uh, virtual virtual reality started as a daydream exclusive, which is you know one of the most respected VR games out there, really. So I think uh, is there are there any other questions or comments from the audience? Well, Greg's VR says uh, daydream see Stadia in two years time, so he's 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 not optimistic that Stadia is going to last either. Hmm. Mm. Mm. It's a shame Which too, because Stadia could have been an interesting avenue into streaming VR with that level of well, compatibility. But yeah, we had that conversation thing. with a few people recently. The, the way these companies operate is they just rebrand. You know, they kill off one name and rebrand their technology, some other name within their you know family of names. And so, uh, you know, maybe Daydream is the one that died and, St- and Stadia becomes the future of VR, right? I mean, but like that's, that's kind of the way these companies operate is they, they try to <laughs> reduce their PR losses by rebranding mm. something, something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, that's it for this segment of the VR Download Show. Uh, We are going to take a small break, just about 15 seconds, and then we're going to head over and listen to uh, Nathan and Ian have a uh, little conversation over there on the other side of our studio. So please stay tuned. Hi, everyone. Ian Hamilton here again with Nathan Rowe, the creator of Sculptor VR. So, Nathan, when did you start (laughs) VR development? uh 20 the end of 2015 um so what platform I, with what tools i i got a dk2 and a leap motion so i had six off from the beginning and i even had six off six off tracked uh something uh so mm-hmm. uh what was your sort of how did you arrive at sculpting why did you want to pursue that um well i, I so i was working before this i was working at a 3d printing company and um I was always 3D printing has this dream of democratized uh, creation. Uh, what is the word they use? Uh, manufacturing, democratized manufacturing. But the reality is that that all you can do is download existing models online and print them because almost nobody can use desktop 3D sculpting software. It's it's insane. Um, and so uh, as soon as I started reading more about VR and, and, uh, and tracked controllers as like, Oh man, finally you'll be able to, to make, you know, somebody could make a easy 3d creation, um, application of some sort. And so, but I, I spent a long time thinking about it. And then I read about tilt brush and I, and I contacted them and, uh, it sounded like they knew what they were doing. So then I, I just like let this sit on the back burner even longer. Um, which, which, I I don't know maybe I I could have I could have gotten started a bit earlier and had a and had a more successful launch maybe but um but uh yeah my my mistake was thinking that one VR creative app is enough um and you know the things that you make in tilt brush cannot very easily be 3D printed because it's you know ribbons in space and and stuff they're not they're not volume encasing um uh, now they have the um convex hole tool uh so if you're very careful with that you might be able to make sure that it's volume in case you know and then things might be printable from tilt brush but it's still not ideal because it has all these clipping triangles and stuff like that um so so voxel modeling is is really the easiest way 
to get at least like organic looking things out. Um, and Oculus thought the same thing. And um, just a few months after I finally quit my job and started doing this full time is when they announced Medium. <laughs> and <laughs> that was a terrifying moment. Now my, now my, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go well, ahead. well it, may, it may, made my biggest competitors were Google and Facebook <laughs> and uh, and then there's me, <laughs> but now there how are, how does that feel? Like what, why, why push through in the face of that? Um, arrogance, probably, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and I appreciate that. And I, and I want to, one of the things that I've loved talking to you about, and you decide how open you want to be in this format, but can you say the success of platforms relative to one another? It's it's the thing everyone out there wants to know. And you have been on every headset, right? I mean, pretty much every uh, anything with yeah. a controller. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so can you explain that? Yeah, what's the success curve look like there? Is there a success curve? For 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 me in particular, um, my sales have been pretty bad throughout for the first many years i didn't make enough sales to support a single person but i did get some contracts to port like uh daydream which is now dead was my first fairly big contract um uh, to bring sculpture vr from pc to mobile and that was a hell of a challenge um and used up i mean i used up the entire money in the process of porting so it wasn't like it it made me any anything and then daydream sales were <laughs> absolute garbage <laughs> and so uh, psvr so psvr is like sort of the the size PSVR of the market was where i had had the most sales but that that and that's true for most people that i've talked to um psvr is is the biggest sales but for me it was by a much larger margin um and and that's because there's not as many you know playstation doesn't have their own creative app yet dreams will get vr eventually and uh and probably push out anybody else because uh, dreams is so incredible holy hell it's it's so <laughs> great um but but sculptor vr still has a uh, creation in multiplayer and dreams separates out creation and play so that you're either playing or creating and you can't really do both at the same time um and currently the multiplayer is lan only uh you can't you can't do multiplayer on the internet yet and and multiplayer creation is is expected to never happen so there's still the the multiplayer sandbox experience is still something that sculptor vr does really well and and so uh especially with quest launch and stuff i've started to kind of shift from being a creative app even though it, it is a useful tool and artists can make incredible things i've been focusing on on sort of fun things that you can do with a voxel sculpting world around you with other people um and that rocket jumps was recently right 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 so yeah i just released i just released thumbstick motion uh with rocket jumps so tell me what the quest launch represented for you and what the future looks like for what you're building uh well so forever i believed that mobile or um you know, or standalone was the future of VR and that standalone was going to be mobile chipsets. So, so that was the main reason that I courted Google and tried to get on daydream. Um, so it was so that I could be ready when, um, 
you know, my, my thinking was at the time daydream was 60 frames per second and had an 820 processor. And by the time there was standalone, it would be a better processor, but be running at 90 frames per second. Um, I was wrong about that, but so I thought, I thought being able to maintain 60 on a daydream phone right now would be proof that I can then run on the future standalones. And so it was sort of like a optimization practice for me. And so I've, I've been a believer in basically what the quest is for years and to see it finally come out and be so good is, is awesome. Um, it, I, I was maybe too much of an optimist. I thought it would happen sooner. Uh, <laughs> I always and think everything's going to happen a little so you sooner said than PS, it does. Do, do you think quest is going to be the biggest platform for you? Um, it's on track to, to be probably, I think, I think that, you know, I'm still, still selling on PlayStation a bit and, and, and selling on, on quest faster and, um, I think that Quest will pass up PlayStation this holiday season if it goes well. Uh, for you specifically. For, for right? me specifically, yeah. Yeah, so uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, go check out uh, uploadvr.com for the latest news, reviews. We've got uh, a steady stream of information coming there. And be sure to subscribe to the VR download. We're uh, rolling out on all the different platforms. And uh, find the subscribe links on uploadvr.com. And thanks again for joining us today and spending this time with us. And can't wait to see you next week.